0: Everybody say, I love. I love the fact that we are a church of a group of people that believe God can do incredible things. Amen? We are a church that believes that God can do incredible things. That we are not just isolated in a seat, and then you're just going to sit there, and then you're going to go home, and then you're going to come back, and you're going to sit there. But we believe that God does incredible things. And that's exciting, that you're sitting in a place that God is alive, and that God is real. I believe that God has given us the opportunity to see miracles as we reach the next generation for Christ. A generation of young families, the brokenhearted and everyone in between. Just this morning, the 8 o'clock service, we had three different families, young couples that were in our church that I did not know, that walked into our 8 o'clock service. We are a church that is reaching a young generation for Christ. We are a church that's reaching the brokenhearted and everyone in between. And I believe that God is awakening within our church families and individuals that are rising up to take their next steps and making an impact for the kingdom of Christ. My name is Pastor Gary and I have the honor to be able to walk with you in this journey today. And I believe as we continue our overcoming series that God's gonna open up some doors for us to be able to evaluate that. It has been an incredible six weeks that Pastor Ryan has, has led us through. Uh, if you haven't been with us, At any one of those junctures, make sure you go online, check it out, and and watch those messages. And I want to know how many of you have been challenged from the Overcoming series so far. Anybody? Have you guys been challenged by the services or the messages that Pastor's been bringing? Hallelujah. Well, we're excited about that. I love, love, love people's faith stories. People that are turning to Jesus and overcoming loneliness, overcoming worry. Overcoming self-hate, overcoming being overwhelmed, overcoming getting rid of bitterness and all the different harsh words that pastor talked about. And last week, we talked about overcoming divorce. I love the face stories of a people as they're overcoming these things and they're able to allow Jesus Christ in in that, in that process. And so I want you to be able to tell the person next to you, get ready for this. Get ready for this, all right? Because, hey, Friday night, football, Saturday, football, unless you're an Iowa State fan, then you just will hang it up, because it, it ain't happening, okay? It's over, all right? And then today, today we got some great stuff going on in, in sports, and the sporting world. But getting ready, getting ready for what's taking place, and so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in at how we can overcome complacency. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for all that you offer, everything, God, that you prepared us Lord today to be here and so Lord we just ask that today that you would help us to see the dangers of complacency Lord and help us to be able to have victory in our walk with you and everything that we do in Jesus name and everybody said amen and you in your notes there's a couple things at the very top as we go throughout this service the first one is, is I'm complacent in this area this is something as God speaks to you. Maybe you already know it. Bells went off as soon as you saw it. I'm complacent in this area. Well, then write that down. There's, this is not, uh, we're not taking it. We're not going to ask you about it. This is just for you. You can put 17 things about being complacent or you can leave it blank. But I want you to think about I'm complacent in this area. And then the next one on the bottom of that is I'm committed in what area? What area are you committed in? That you've gone through life, you're this past week, this past month, I'm committed in this area and we'll be talking about those things. You can write this on the side of in the sidebar of your notes. You can be complacent until the need becomes bigger than the want. You see, it's easy to be complacent until the bigger or until the need becomes bigger than the want. I have a rust spot on my truck. Washed it the other day. It's about the smaller than a dime, just a little just a little hole. I saw this brown streak running down it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! I should have never washed it. I wouldn't have known. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so I got this rust spot. If I if I leave it, if I'm complacent with that rust spot, it's only going to get bigger. Okay. But the need has to be bigger than the want. Because if I just think of it as just being small, I'll let it slide. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's health. We, we, we don't want to go work out. We don't want to eat healthy. We don't want those types. I mean, I just had Mountain Dew yesterday. I man. It was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, it was great. Matter of fact, I think I have Mountain Dew every day this week. It, was, it doesn't go against my, it goes against my diet plan. But we can become complacent until the need becomes bigger than the want. Maybe it's our performance, the things that we do at work the things that we do before we prepare to come into the church. You know, for some of you, <clears throat> you know, it takes you hours before you walk in the door. I mean, it's like, it's, it's awesome. For others, it takes two seconds, and you're like, hey, I'm ready, let's go to church. Right? Or I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to do whatever. But, but sometimes it's the performance that the need becomes bigger than the want. Complacency is a negative attitude. Everybody say negative. It's a negative attitude and it describes someone who doesn't care about the outcome or the process to get a good outcome. And so we're just complacent. It's not being, we're not talking about being content, because being content means that you're, you're looking for the end result. You want a good outcome, but I'm content with where I'm at. I'm, I'm content with where God has me today. And so, But I'm going to continue to press forward in my walk with God. I'm going to continue to press forward at my workplace because I'm content with where I'm at. But complacency is I don't care about the end. I'm just going to be complacent. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's a negative attitude. Many of you will resonate with this, but one of the greatest all-time NFL quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, has a quote. So I know this will resonate with you because, because, I mean, listen, I mean, this is Peyton Manning, right? But he says this. He says, you have to decide to do what, you have to decide to do what you want to make things happen, or you do, or, or do you want to watch things happen? It's been my experience that most people who watch things happen are the ones who are usually wondering what just happened. I've heard men say, My family is very important to me. And I think most of us here in this room, if you're a dad or even a mom, you would say, yes, my children are very important to me. Yet statistically, the average time that a father spends with their kids per day is five to 10 minutes. Some people say, my health is really important to me. And yet their diet, their work ethic, aren't set as a priority. Are we materialistic? Most of us would say, no, 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 I'm not materialistic at all. But then when we begin to ask the question, is our low debt bigger and bigger? Are we buying things that we can't afford? Do we have credit card charges that we cannot pay? Do we have loans that we cannot pay and think if we get another loan, that will take care of it? We become materialistic. Is God important to us? Most of us today would say, of course God is important to us. Yet there are some Christians that don't even believe or, did, or or don't live according to the Word. They only want the Word that applies to them for what makes them happy, but they don't want to listen to the entire Word, because the Word of God is what it's it's the it's the inspired, it's complete from Genesis to Revelation, it's all true. There's you, you don't get a handpick. But we, we 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 ask those questions, so in your notes I want you to to, to fill these in. It says, one of the most dangerous traps that a Christian or church can fall into is the slippery slide from commitment to complacency. Dangerous traps that we fall into is commitment to complacency. And so that's kind of where we want to go today in that discussion, because change is never easy. Change is never easy, and transformation is like a roller coaster. Man, God, we're, God's working in my life, things are going great, and then all of a sudden I'm down in the valley, and, and I'm way down here, and then I, you know, I'm at the mountaintop experience. And, and Transformation is an ongoing process that God wants to work within us, and sometimes we have to hold on. If you've ever been on a good roller coaster, you're always questioning, I hope this thing holds me in, right? Well, sometimes God's changing us, and God's working in us, and sometimes it's like, God, I... I hope that the brace holds me in. Because I, it seems like this is a crazy ride and I don't want to be on this ride. How many of you have gone through a roller coaster halfway through and say to your partner that went with you, what are you doing getting me on this ride? Right? No no roller coaster fans, no amusement park guys. Nobody that cares if the roller coaster flips over. No? Okay. But transformation is like a roller coaster. But the excitement the excitement that we have is seeing God at work in our church and being, that, that we begin to realize that God is bigger than ourselves. That God is bigger than the things that we're going through. And that's, that's an incredible thing to realize, that God is bigger than the struggle that you're facing. God is bigger than the victory that we have. I love when, when we see people make a commitment to take their next steps and and one of those next steps is growth track and we we do that every month and and the reason why we do that is because we want we want you to to be able to beyond the guy that's talking go beyond that and and see the vision and the purpose of central and and, and how God is going to use you and how God can use you in multiple areas in our church and begin to see those things happen and using your giftings and it's an incredible process how God wants you to be able to, to, to be used in that way. Individuals like Taylor that have said yes to Jesus and God is opening up new doors for his family or a, a, a gentleman, uh, Dustin, and his family that, that has, has just blown up in the, his, his experience here at Central. And we could go on and on with Nick or Aaron or, or, or Josh. I mean, and, and many of you. That God is doing incredible things as we begin to realize that God is bigger or God is doing something bigger than ourselves. That I can't do it alone. As believers today, we we need to acknowledge that, that God is alive, amen? We sang this song, God is alive. He is our provider. He is our king. He is our Lord. But complacency is that unique tool or even more as a weapon that the enemy uses to try to keep us or distract us from doing what God wants us to do. So as you're on that roller coaster and life seems to be going upside down and everywhere else and and there's great victory, (coughs) but he'll start throwing complacency at you because you've done well. Oh, you've done well. Sit back. The temptation to slide from commitment to complacency is a big one. We start to get comfortable with where we are at. We start to tire of that constant change. Because change, even though change isn't easy, we begin to say, man, you guys always say, take your next steps, take your next steps, take your next steps. I'm tired of you saying, taking your next steps. Why, because change isn't easy. Because being in that chair is complacent. You can be complacent in that chair. Transformation is hard. Transformation can be a blessing. Transformation can be awesome. But but there's, there's things that we see where we start getting tired of change. We start to look for the opportunity to rest up for a little bit. And we can all attest that there are moments when we sit down on that recliner and pull the lever and the feet go up and it's like, this is sweet. God is good, right? But when the chair, I love it. Got an amen over there. I love it. But the thing about the chair and the beauty or sitting on a beach or, or whatever else is a place for you to To be refueled is that you're not designed to stay there. You're designed to be refueled. You're designed to be to to be recharged, but not to form into a complacency and say it's easier to stay here in this chair than to go meet with somebody. Or to read my Bible or to pray or whatever. We start to look for those opportunities. We can look up one day, and nothing has been accomplished for the kingdom of God, and suddenly a year has gone by, has gone by and we begin to realize that, that we haven't taken any new ground for God. And this can't be the case. And we, as a church, like I said, we are taking on, we, we're a church that's reaching the younger generation. We're a church that's, that's reaching the brokenhearted and everybody else in between. Why? Because we gotta gotta be a church that begins the understanding that we have to take new ground. See, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that you're doing. He wants to put roadblocks in front of you. He wants you to be complacent. He wants you to, to, to drag down. And he's taking that freedom away from you. Why is it that he wants you to spend five to 10 minutes with your kids? Because if you spend five to 10 minutes with your kids and that's all you do, they can begin to start doing things and be distracted and seeing what's going on away from your eyes. God wants us to begin to take ground back. God wants us to begin to say, Devil, no longer am I gonna allow you to have my family. No longer am I gonna have you, let you have my business. No longer am I gonna let you have this. And you start asking God for those type of breakthroughs. God, I wanna take new ground. Yesterday, two o'clock in the afternoon, <coughs> met with a couple guys going through some whatever and, and, and we're, we're meeting. Man, that's easy to be complacent. And we can all go through our calendar list and we can all go all these things. But one of the reasons why it inspires me to do this is because I want to be able to take new ground. I want it, not not for me personally, but I want God to use us in a way that says, God, I want to take new ground. I want to invest in individuals that help them to, to, to be stronger and to grow greater in their faith and to be their form by myself i can't do it because i'll be, i'll fail but it's an incredible thing as we learn to take new ground we are either moving forward or we're moving backwards we, th- we are either hot or we are cold jesus said you are either for me or you're against me and so we have to be able to guard ourselves against complacency we must be challenged to move forward and avoid the complacency so that many of us can be drawn to God. And we've got to be able to begin to, to realize that he's always there. And so as we get into the story today that I believe depicts both the committed part and the, the complacency part, it begins in Joshua chapter 6. And after, after Israel had been led by the Egyptian uh, bondage by Moses and they had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and God finally was ready to allow them into the promised land. and Joshua was now their leader, and their first obstacle was the city of Jericho. Now we've all heard the city of Jericho, and you can sing the song and, and all that kind of stuff. It's an incredible story. But the mo- this, this city was the most fortified city that there was. And so God brought the Israelites to the doorsteps of Jericho. Millions Millions of Israelites camped outside the city wanting God to tell them what to do. And in the Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. Now so that right there is complacency. If you get the most fortified city, they must have some sort of army. They must have some sort of something inside there. But yet they were terrified. They were complacent because we don't want to go outside. Then it says, No one was allowed to go in or go out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You are your. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast of the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. In your notes, write this down. Commitments results from our dependence on God. Dependence. In order for us to be be committed to do something, we have to have dependence on God. And so we see what the Israelites were dependent on. You know, here they sit outside this heavily fortified wall. Really, they weren't even really an army. They were just a, a homeless mob of outcasts, basically. And when God speaks to Joshua and basically says, I want you to get your army together and do the least military thing possible. March around the city and be silent. I can get a couple of you guys alone together, and it's pretty hard to keep you silent. We're talking about a bunch of people to keep silent going around the city. Do this for a week. Blow your horns and and shout and watch the walls come down. They could have easily have said, said, this is ridiculous. How many times have you been around somebody that was trying to do something good, trying to do something for the Lord, and you heard something, and you're like, "Dude, this is ridiculous. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that, right? Hey, we want to go on a prayer walk. Get out. I, no, I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. We're not doing that. And, you know, and whatever it may be, we we we, we throw these things out. And this is where the Israelites were. You know, they're gonna they're gonna laugh at us. They're gonna laugh us out of the country. But instead, they displayed a strong dependence on God. In verse six, it says, so Joshua called together the priests and said, take up your ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark and the Lord. It was an incredible thing what God was doing. In your notes, I want you to write down, faith is believing, and obedience is proving that you believe it. I mean, as crazy as that sounded, This whole march around the city thing, but yet they did it. They could have questioned God, but they didn't. They could have doubted God, but they didn't. They had faith that he would do what he said that he would do, but that's not all that he did. Joshua 6, 21 says, They completely destroyed everything in Jericho with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. You see, faith is not only believing that he's at work in the situation, but it's also that he is working in that situation and that he has already been at work in that situation. So I want to encourage you today, as you walk out in faith and you take that step of faith, God is already working in that step. When you come up front and ask for a healing from our prayer team or you just come and lay at the altar before the Lord, God's already prepared that first step, but the first step is the hardest step that you take because you question, should I go up front? You question whether I should be on the prayer team, whether I should be on another team that's out there. You question, but can I encourage you today as you look at your giftings, as you become a part of what God wants you to do, that next step, God's already preparing you to be able to endure what's thrown at you. Obedience on the other hand is proving that you believe it. When the Israelites marched and shouted, and displayed faith that God who was and is, and then when he destroyed everything in the city, as God told them, they did not take anything that was there. They were obedient to what God had told them to do. And I don't want to skip too, too fast through this, but it's an important part here that, we, that we're looking at, that all of these people had a journey yet to take. Jericho was the first step. They still had other places to go to get to the promised land and to do what God wanted to do. And so here's all this food, all of these resources inside the city of Jericho. And God said, don't take any of it. Destroy it. And they were obedient in that. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit, but there are moments sometimes that we want the temporary satisfaction and we lose sight of the end goal that's there. God has something at the end, and sometimes he wants us to endure, and he wants us to be able to have faith that he's going to get you there without grabbing everything in between. Sometimes we want to sit on a plateau, and we just want to stay there. But there isn't any plateau in our relationship with Christ. We're either moving forward or backwards, and it didn't take long for Israel to begin to see and act. To, and as they started going backwards towards complacency, in your notes it says complacency causes us to lose focus or lose the desire to move forward. It causes us to lose focus when we're complacent. When we, when we are looking to do something for God, but we don't want to, but we're not concerned about the outcome. We lose focus. Joshua chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, it says, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out of the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near beth Aven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for us to go up there, so it won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there, are all, since there are so few of them, don't make all of our people struggle to go up there. Are you kidding me? How many people went around Jericho? all of them, right? All of them. But yet they get to I, and they start getting complacent. Joshua, you can just stay over here. You can just do your little thing over here. We'll just take a couple thousand men up to I, and, and, and then, you know, we'll leave it at that. You over here, you, you know, you go ahead and go. I'll make the meal. I'll prepare for the victory meal when you get back. And this person over here saying, "Hey, I'll, I'll make sure that everything's ready for you when we go to bed." And no, that's not what that's not what they were supposed to do. They had been so faithful and so obedient in their dependence on God, He provided for them, He blessed them, and then and you would think that they would just keep on doing what God had told them to do. But that's not what humans do. It was only like five seconds before. What had happened at Jericho, now they're being overconfident in their self. You ever been there? Things are going pretty good. Well, I sure did a pretty good job. I can take a break. We start, we start looking at how good we are in ourselves, and then we take away our dependence on God. So let me ask you this question <clears throat> as we begin to look at what Israel was doing as they took how many people? all of them around Jericho, did they see the victory in that? Yes. And when they went to Ai and they didn't all go, did they all see the victory there? No, they didn't. Matter of fact, what took place was they became faithless in the things that they were doing. In Joshua 7, 4, and 5, I won't read it today, but there was 3,000 of them that went up to take over Ai and they encountered a group of people and 5 of them were killed 5 out of the 3000 and they became fearless or sorry they became faithlessness they didn't have the faith and then they became paralyzed in fear why because they did not do it together they did not they were not obedient to God and so then they lost their faith and they were uh, Paralyzed with fear. When commitment turns into complacency, overconfidence begins to build in. Overconfidence in self and lack of dependence on God. In your notes, I want you to write down, complacency is one thing that can get into every area of our lives if we stop growing in Christ. You see, it is so easy to to allow complacency to start going into our our areas of our life. It can be small at first. But when it begins to take root. It can take over. And that's why it's so important that we learn to continue to grow in Christ. That's why today if, if you're our guest today. If you're here. man, God loves you. God cares for you. And in the midst of that roller coaster life of transformation that we live as we're living for God, sometimes it's hard. But God is always going to be there because when complacency seeps in, it only seeps in when our growth in Christ becomes less. When we begin to say, no, I don't have to meet with those guys on Saturday afternoon. No, I don't have to go to church this Sunday because I'd rather go do these things. I think it's important for us to understand that God wants the best for you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it's in your notes, it says chapter 2. It's chapter 1, verse 5. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective they will keep you from being complacent that's ineffective they will keep you from being unproductive that's complacency in your knowledge of the lord jesus christ but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins We're saying here, don't don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that moment when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. And the fire that welled up within as you begin to realize that all past sins were gone and that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again for you. That you may have the gift that one day you may be able to worship and praise your heavenly Father in heaven. It's an incredible thing that we have when we get to grow in Christ. See, it happened so easy for the Israelites. They had a choice to make. Do they keep sliding in the direction of complacency and break their commitment to God? Or do they or do they do the hardest thing for humans, for churches, for our nation to do? To take back, to take a step back and look in the mirror and evaluate where we are at and then begin to look at how we're going to be able to fix it. God wants us to be able to begin that step and that process. In your notes it says, Repentance doesn't stop the consequences. Repentance doesn't stop the consequences. And in that that part, Achan confessed what he did. Achan took... Merchandise took resources away from Jericho and hid them underneath his mat, underneath his tent, and he confessed when they found out that someone had done it. He confessed. He confessed of what he did was wrong, but in the in the process of consequences, in that time, Achan and his family were killed, and all of his belongings were burned and destroyed. You see, there are consequences to the things that we do. Repentance doesn't stop the consequences, but it does begin the starting point for recommitment. James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This, pro- this promise still holds true for all of us even today. So repent, break free from complacency, and bring honor to God. Bring honor to God. And so there are three things today that, we, that are intended for us to move from spiritual complacency to spiritual fervency. The first one is to gather together. I've talked a little bit about that today, but gathering together is, is, is so important. You see, we're, we're a large church. There are empty seats around us. But there are a lot of people that attend our church, whether it be online, whether it be all these, our, our Creston campus, our, you know, St. Greg's, all these different places, but we're a big church. But what happens when you're a big church is that it's easy to, to, to go in and go out and not be connected. And it's important for us to gather together, and one of those things that we, that we do is that we talk about connect groups, because connect groups allows us to, to take something big and then build relationally into that group. And because you build relationally within that group, you are then be able to talk about your, your life together. You're, you're able to connect together. As a church, as a whole, I don't know who's going to third service or first service or second service. But as a small group, as a connect group within our church, I'm connected, I'm tight. I know what's going on. I see miracles happening. And then that blossoms back into the church. Connect groups are a huge component. We have a, a new group starting October 7th on addictions and, and lust. How do you protect your kids? How do you protect your son from that type of thing? How do you stay accountable to that type of thing? It's not just that, hey, this is what I'm in, but it's how do you protect yourself from getting into that area? We have a new believers class that's starting. You need to know more about Jesus. How do I live my life for Christ? That's a, that's a group that we're starting. There's a men's group, there's a women's group, there's a lot of other groups that God's been impressing on you to, to maybe begin to start something. But you know the great thing about starting something? Is that we move forward. The problem with moving forward is if no one moves along with us, we become complacent and then we don't have any groups. We have to be able to gather together to keep things small. And I encourage you to be in prayer about that. If I'm the first one to tell you I'm busy. First one to tell you. But I'm also telling you I'm the first one that can say that's complacency if we begin to allow that to prevent us from growing together in Christ. The second thing that we need to do is seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. How do we we begin to have spiritual fervency? How do we begin to have the the excitement, the joy, the the passion? Is seeking the Lord. Say, God, I, I seek you, God. God, will you help me? And I look across this crowd, and then I see, I see passionate people for Christ. But I also know in that passion, sometimes there's complacency that sets in, and we think that we don't have to do anything because we're, we're, we're so passionate. We have to evaluate. We have to seek the Lord. We have to be able to seek him in our righteousness. God, you are the king of kings. Lord, you are, the, you are my provider. You are, you are everything. And the last one is humility. God, you are great and I am weak. God, you are, you are everything. And even when He works in us and God's doing some phenomenal things in your lives, don't allow that to begin to build you up to where you think, oh, I don't have to take another step because God's already done something, so I'm good for a while. And it's hard. I want to be an encouragement to you guys today I want you to know that I'm not we're not looking for you to our goal as a church is not to fill your church calendar our goal for a church is for to provide for you opportunities to see God move in your life and it's an incredible thing when those things happen and I'm excited about that and the third thing this is don't compromise don't compromise How many of us could raise our hand if we wanted to, if we weren't complacent? How many would raise our hands and say, "Yeah, sometimes it's easy to compromise." Right? I'll be the first one. But to have that spiritual fervency is don't compromise. Philippians chapter three. It says we are to continue pressing on until the race is over. Not that I have already obtained this or that I'm already perfect but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards a goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to take his bride. That is an exciting thing. In a twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, in a twinkling of an eye, we are gone and we'll meet our Father in heaven. That is an incredible process. And that is something that we can stand on. Being intentional in our pursuit of Christ, being intentional in the things that we do for God. God, today, I worship you. In a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to be intentional in your worship. To be intentional in giving everything to God. God, today, you know where I'm at. God, you know my life. You know my thoughts. God, you know the areas that I'm complacent in. And God, even though I'm not gonna confess that today because I don't want you to know, I already, God, you already know. He knows. Being more intentional in how we raise our family. More intentional in how we build Relationships more intentional on how we have a sense of urgency to be a part part of what God is doing. Because God doesn't want anybody left behind. Do you understand that? That there will be a day when Jesus returns and if you don't have the faith in Jesus Christ, you are left behind. God's desire is that no one is left behind because every chair that's in this church has a name that God has designed to be there. But we have to be the one to go out and ask and invite and show through our who we are that our God is an awesome God. And I'm not saying how to say it. I'm not saying any of that. But I know God's going to give you a name. I know God's going to give you the opportunity. And we just have to trust in Him. Because God is coming back one day. And there are signs And there are wonders that are going on in our world today. I don't know if it's tomorrow. I don't know if it's in three seconds. But I know that we have to continue to have a fervent desire to love Jesus and not to be complacent. True commitment results from dependence on God. Obedience to God and faith in God. True commitment results in sacrifice for God and blessing from God. But we have to be aware that the strongest commitment can turn into complacency when we get comfortable with the blessings and become more confident in ourselves and stop stop depending on God. In your notes, God, this is the area that I'm complacent in. God, this is the area that I'm content in. God, this is the area that that I'm doing good in. I want you to look at that as we sing this song, as we close today, and say, God, show me, help me to do what I need to do to depend on you. Let's sing.